If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to the Unsung Podcast, where we talk about classic albums and decide if they deserve that distinction. And we also talk about some unsung classics in the hopes of bringing them to a new audience. And at the end of it all, we let you decide if we are right or wrong. This is the Unsung Podcast. Welcome to episode 11 of the Unsung Podcast. Now, as you can probably tell by the title, this week we're talking about Third by Portishead. But of course, before we get there, we need to discuss what happened last week and the votes are in. Public did indeed decide that we were right and that the Downward Spiral by Nine Inch Nails makes it into our discography of all-time classic albums, which is, I think, a good decision because, hey, it's fucking phenomenal. Before we get into this week's episode... I should probably just warn you that the recording is a little different this week. You see, we've been cobbling together gear for a little while now, and the gear we cobbled together for this particular episode is, well, good. It didn't give us the same sound as before. If it sounds a bit different with some audio issues, then that's why. But the conversation itself is, I think, totally worth listening to, and hopefully you will enjoy it. This is Chris Weaver and I talking about Third by Portishead. Esteja alerta para as regras dos três. O que você dá retornará para você. Essa lição você tem que aprender. Você só ganha o que você merece. I am your host Mark Fraser and today I'm joined by two fabulous gentlemen. Uh, on my right is Mr. Chris Cusack, Glasgow's foremost conceptual artist. Uh, he often uses whole wheat pasta to create sculptures, um, to really bring out, I don't know, pasta. <laughs> I've given up. <laughs> Hi, Chris. <laughs> Some flow. <laughs> uh, yeah, to my left is David Weaver, who today is wearing what can only be referred to as sneakers. 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 Not trainers, 
Sneakers. 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 Yeah, I think my uncle had these <laughs> in nineteen seventy eight. <laughs> but the uh, the rubber outsole pedal them up <laughs> and took them back. Yep. <laughs> That's me. Are they the same ones? I know, but he did have pretty much the same model and I tried to wear them, but the uh, rubber had literally perished. Wow. And fell apart on my socks. Dave so Weaver, I just went out and bought King new of versions. King of Retro. That's me. On this episode you're talking about uh, Thirds by Portishead. Oh, you've been telling me about uh, Mike Discipline, and I just did the exact wrong thing there. But <laughs> it was to get the sound of the bat of the. You've the got song. a pop field though, so it's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's like that Razelle thing. Yeah. Just, just doing those weird, like, <laughs> what's it called again? Scatting. Beatbox. <laughs> Beatboxing. Yeah, that's the one. God, I told you it was the weightiest guy in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we doing this record? Is, was this my choice? I think this was so your choice, Chris. <laughs> so many aborted attempts. <laughs> yeah, this is your choice, Chris. Um, Portishead are amazing. I don't think there's any getting away from that. Like Portishead are one of the, the most interesting bands to come out of the UK in the last couple of decades. Um, and I think alongside Radiohead are one of those bands that have got like, maybe even more so, that nothing they've done has ever been less than really good. They've done uh, a lot less than Radiohead, though. They've done a lot less they've than only Radiohead done three records, in terms of quantity, absolutely. Aye. They've also been a lot less patronising than Radiohead. <laughs> yeah, um, aye. Third is an unusual choice for Portishead, but Dummy, I think, would be the, the most famous one. And go for things like Glory Box as being their most obvious touchstones for the, for the band themselves. Third, I think, is one of the hardest albums to work out where it came from and I love that in an album when you get an album and you're like trying to mentally join the dots of how the artists got to where they got to it's an album with a little bit of like study you can work out the 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 genesis of the different influences and the trajectory of the different careers and how they got there but in and of itself it's totally inexplicable because it's really quite glum but it's unbelievably cool at the same time it's sort of half-assed but deliberately half-assed, like the tones are unfussy, the, even some of the takes are deliberately unfussy, there's you know some clipped notes here and there and they, they've left all these little details in, there's something beautifully relaxed and confident about it as an album. It's the kind of thing I think you can only really do after you've been in a band for like 17 years or whatever they had been at this point and uh, exude a sort of confidence and I mean it's kind of consistent with their personas anyway like Jeff Barrow's Twitter is a perfect example of like he's sort of like pretty uh, nonplussed by most things mm. in a kind of really quite entertaining way and I think this is a good example of that this is a band that were just like this is what we want to do. I think there's there's a quote kicking about, which is something like, they wanted to sound like themselves as opposed to just recreating what they'd recreated before. This album was far less sampled than, say, the first album. As in, it uses less samples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry, aye. I, like, in Dummy, there's a lot of like really prominent, quite famous kind of artists and stuff. So at certain times, uh, Lalo Schifrin, I think the guy's name is, there's a, a song called The Danube Incident, and it's, it seems... In and of itself, it's quite silly. Then you hear it and you just start singing Sour Times over it. It's unbelievable how they heard that and were like, we can make that into a really creepy song. I think there's stuff by The Weather Report. There might even be some by Isaac Hayes. 
Um, there's loads of like little Easter eggs in it in that sense. The second album, the the, the eponymous second album, which is a tremendous album again, and maybe again slightly sadder than Dummy, uh, which seemed like an achievement, is far less sampled. I think there's just a couple of bits in that. Although in, I think in the sleeve notes it does say that there's multiple samples, and in fact they're kind of bumming their load. They've just made up silly names and stuff. But by the third one, they were really just like, let's create everything from scratch. And it just betrays a band that has gone beyond the kind of constraints that I, I think most bands would never get to a stage where they're able to do something as completely esoteric as this album. Especially on a third record. <clears throat> yeah, and especially the gap between this and the second record. You know, you think that a band might go away and get lost or maybe come out with something you know, overproduced, you know, but you're right in that it does have those, you know, those takes that aren't perfect but are organic and fit really well, which is interesting. Yeah, I, I think going back to the first two records, they are of an era. Like, they sound very much of their time, maybe, and this sounds a lot more timeless. Do you know that Dummy, <coughs> Dummy was nominated for the 1995 Mercury Music Prize <laughs> alongside Definitely Maybe? Like, that's... Mental. I mean, that's a timeless classic. <laughs> it is mental. Uh, it was like, and like, I think PJ Harvey's To Bring You My Love as well. British scene at the time was really pretty interesting. I mean, whatever you think about Oasis now, they were a relevant band back then. And PJ Harvey was great and tricky. Like, Max and Quay was in that uh, nomination list as well. And obviously, Tricky's part of that kind of Bristol scene. The inverted commas Bristol scene, which is like just in itself, you know, Banksy came for that, mm. and there was a whole bunch of newsletters and kind of counterculture papers. Left wing politics was a big thing in that scene, and Dummy was really sits well in that era. Remember the magazines like Vox and stuff were about at that time mm. as well, weren't they? It was like it was quite a different kind of landscape musically. I don't know, Chris. I was reading uh, <laughs> Shoot Magazine because I was only eight. <laughs> <laughs> you were in that. Uh, what was the cartoon in Kerrang? The the goth. Pandora. Pandora, yeah, yeah. I was too young for Pandora. I was still at the Beano, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Minnie the Minx. Sorry, yeah. But yeah, you're right. The first album was very of its time. And then the second album got a bit gothier. Um, oh, sorry. Darker. Like, should we say of its time, but people did kind of reckon it was like the pinnacle of, of trip-hop. Like it was innovative. Or, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe well, we're I mean, not, we're not phrasing that well. It didn't sound like anything in particular that was there. It was part of a scene that was emerging. Yeah, but you innovative. listen back to it now and you go, oh yeah, that's like mid-90s trip-hop fits in with Massive Attack, fits in with, you know, stuff like that. I suppose. I suppose. Um, and then, yeah, the second album just went a bit gloomier, a bit, went a bit darker. I love the second album. Like, I, I, it's, re- yeah, it's really, really good. Second album, yeah. But I'm, yeah, I'm with you. I think this is the defining record because it doesn't sound like anything else really it sounds like Portishead doing whatever the fuck they want the thing is I think there's there's an argument that could be made that Dummy or even Portishead by Portishead you know and stuff like uh, All Mine and Over off that second album um, they possibly sound like most people's interpretation of Portishead mm. but not it doesn't it seems to me not the band Portishead's interpretation of the band Portishead which yeah. is kind of why this album's so interesting but I think a lot of people do just associate them with like little bits of scratching and little bits of like sampled stuff and obviously Beth uh, has a s- super distinctive really uh, uh, she plays with her vocals a lot she does that kind of how can I it's that Shirley Bassey kind of nasal <laughs> cavalry thing a lot um, can you do that again? how can I <laughs> Um, but she doesn't really do that in the third album. It, she, she's her voice is really fragile in the third album and really, really beautiful. 
she kind of goes away from that kind of cabaret sort of tongue-in-cheek thing a little bit but I would could there's probably a lot of people that are going to say of, of this that this the Portishead sound is probably more easily associated with the first two albums but I do think this is better and it's gloomier again <laughs> just when you thought they can't get any gloomier they got gloomier It's certainly the record that I go back and listen to in the port said back catalog. Back catalog. Yeah, in the back catalog. Um, and I think, yeah, I mentioned this before, but we talked about a record before uh, DJ Shadow introducing, and that was another, although it came from out with the Bristol scene, it was another sort of defining record in the trip-hop genre. And much like Dummy, it was used a lot of samples, sort of defined a very specific sound and then both of their second records just sounded a bit different uh maybe aren't seen as quite the classics as the first ones but still great records and then the third records from each i think what dj shadow did he went away and created the outsider um and to me that album is pretty shit Mm -hmm. Uh, you know it's the sound of somebody not knowing quite you know what world he wants to direct it at talented dj amazing producer but you know what is that album it has no sort of identity whereas what Portishead went and did you know was just you know become a a really fucking tight band even just the three of them it's interesting because Portishead maybe worth a bit of trivia but Portishead started as Jeff Barrow and Beth Gibbons Mm -hmm. as a duo and then Adrian Utley recorded them or worked on the first record with them and then joined yeah. because the collaboration was so productive. But you were saying about the hiatus, it's interesting based on what you're saying, like what went on in that gap before this third album, like how did this third album come out so differently? And there's like when you read some of the interviews with especially Jeff Barrow and Adrian Yutley, they were really struggling creatively and they supposedly had considered just wrapping up the project. They didn't want to water it down, they didn't want to just retread old material. Um, and of, of of all people, I think they were working recording that band, The Coral, supposedly. Anyway, like they were so impressed by the sort of enthusiasm, enthusiasm. But I think more specifically the the lack of concern the guys in that band showed for what people expected of them. They were just really taken with the fact that these guys went in and just tried stuff and did stuff on the record. I've no idea yeah. what that record turned out like, by the way. I don't know the one in, in question. But uh, supposedly they found that really inspiring. And they then embarked upon this third set of material, you know, from like, I think it was the end of 2006 they did that, something like that. And this came out in 2008. And um, it was a big departure. Barrow had... I don't know my chronology exactly here, but obviously he's got a project called Beak. Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly when Beak started, but Beak is very much closer to this than it is to any of the earlier Portishead stuff. It's um, like old kind of vintage synths. It's very, very crowdy, very droney, really weird. I mean, the list of technology that they used in this, the stuff like Mini Moogs, um, it's an MS Twenty, um, an, an ARP Twenty Six Hundred, I think mm-hmm. is one. Um, stuff like that is like is much more akin to beak and the kind of like the lo-fi weird uneasy oscillators that are just a fraction out kind of kind of dissonant thing they get without going too heavy-handed
so that's really seems to have informed well either this informed that project or the early stages of that project informed this recording yeah and this i think it really benefits from it but oh wow once you start digging into the tracks like once you start getting into the actual the trained ear that it took to pick because there's things in here that obviously aren't multi multi layered they've just picked a brilliant take and a brilliant tone and they've just there's just there's just a level of like sophistication and self-confidence that comes through in this album um it's quite naked like yeah and it's just like it's well i think like a track like small you know that starts off you know just that wee synth it sounds like somebody just you know noodling away yeah, yeah and yeah. then it just builds up and builds up and yeah, yeah, it's a two and a half like, minute mark. That one comes. Yeah, in and it sounds like a big kraut band, or you know, it sounds like the Phantom Band, what the Phantom Band want to be, basically, <laughs> you know, building up to that massive, you know, like sound the guitar of the cacophony thing. Yeah. And, uh, Some of the reviews of it, when you when you read the reviews, it's like it's one of those weird things where you, you kind of, I don't know, you sort of feel like you're from a different planet sometimes. But some of the reviews, and a number of them, had a kind of similar theme, which was it's perhaps more appropriate to admire this record than to enjoy it, as though they were like, oh, isn't it clever? Isn't it an achievement? But it, but it's not fun. Yeah, you're not going to listen to it. Well, like, what's was fun, man? Like, I mean, how how asinine a comment is that? It's like. There's loads of great things, loads of great films that aren't fun to watch. Like, I, I, ju- I just couldn't... I hate fun. I mean, <laughs> I don't like that. That's fun what things. brought us together in the first place. <laughs> the fact that we were always the guys sitting at the edge of the dance floor. You know, it was like... Arms crossed. Arms crossed. <laughs> tears rolling down our cheeks. Um, but I, I just... It was the fact that that was repeated across a number of reviews as well. People saying, oh, it's very clever. It's really impressive. But it's, it's, I wouldn't listen to it. It's like, shut up. You know, I mean, that's, I mean, this. I think, as Dave says, this is by far born most repeated listens for me than any other Portishead record, even going back. I mean, I was listening to them when they were coming out, and it was like, I still think this is better. I found it quite hard. I found it really hard to get into this record, I've got to be honest. For me, it was just not clicking, but I stuck with it because something kept bringing me back. There's sounds and there's textures on this record that kept bringing me back, and I hadn't really heard Portishead before. I honestly couldn't tell you a Portishead, so- Portishead song that I'd heard or what a Portishead song sounds like. You said you haven't heard, heard Glory Box. Maybe I have, but <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be able to say. Do you know that guy, Chris Cunningham, the the video director that did all the Bjork stuff and was like very, very well, kind of very celebrated? I did not know him, no. Late 90s. All right, because like, Portishead were one of the parts of the stable of people that he worked with in a, a, a song called Only You as well. And that was like a big kind of, you know, they were up there with like Bjork and stuff at the time, and I, I'm surprised that you you managed to miss them. It's, I've like I've only come into music which is kind of like this when I, later in life. <laughs> I'm not even that old, but you know what I mean. Like you've I've got always, a fine beard, though. So I've always been, always, thank you. I've always been like a guitar guy. Always, I think that's what makes me a lot more receptive and want, willing to explore this music more because I can listen to a record by a guitar band. I hate that, like saying the words guitar band is fucking ridiculous, right? Anyway, just an idea. <laughs> but like, I can if it doesn't grab me in the first couple of lessons, that's it. Even if there's ideas in it that I like, but I kind of feel as though I had to try hard of this record, but I wanted to as well. And I get that, and a lot of non using the vertical commas guitar records. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and for me, that's just it clicked. When it clicked, it was like fuck. This is not just good, but it's great. There's a there's an accomplishment to it. 
Yeah. As, 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 a, as a bunch of as three people that are going Let, let's do let's just do us see, see and not I, think I, about it too much like I was saying about like Jeff Barrow's Twitter um, but also just Portishead by this point in general had a, a really a, a, I think a quite entertaining nonchalance to them like they don't really give a shit if, if you get what they're doing and I think like even with the artwork for this album it's like here's the fucking cover <laughs> just that that's the cover <laughs> <laughs> that's it Right, we're not going to try too hard to impress you. Just listen to the record. The record's amazing. If you don't get it, it's your loss. There's just a nonchalance to the band, I think, that is... Even, like, you've seen the Rosalind Bowl performance. Um, they've got a live video of the Rosalind Bowl that they did. And uh, it's like a, there's an album version of it as well. And they're a nonchalant band. Like, mm-hmm. I love that about them. They, they obviously are quite political. I mean, the whole Bristol scene was quite political. But they don't really bang that drum overly. We did some stuff for Joe Cox uh, Memorial Fund after the murder. Yeah, they released that cover of SOS by ABBA. It had already yeah. been released, I think, but they re-released it. Yeah, because it was used in the in High Rise movie. That's right, uh, and it's a fantastic ending yeah, to that film as yeah. well. Um, but generally speaking, they're pretty indifferent to your perceptions of them. It seems like that they're not. They don't come across as rude, but they just come across as like adults. And I think <laughs> as a result, there are people that are really like. I just don't get this. What's the point of this? And I'm, I'm not trying to shit in you here, Mark, because you have tried. But I'm kind of curious about, like, like, w- did you get in it? I don't just mean for the purposes of the podcast. I mean in a more kind of invested way. Like, would you have? Would you give this like your own private time? Well, and what what kind of broke that seal for you? It was. Be- I think it was. I know you've said before the podcast started that it was in a an advert for a, a brand of perfume. Oh, God. Yeah, that is, that is the only caveat for what's, what's probably the greatest portrait tune ever written and they went yeah, for it in a it was, fucking Gucci advert. I was in a... I think I was... I would have been driving when I was listening to it or I was on the train. One or the other. It was definitely night time. It's a, a running theme. It seems to be doing stuff at night. Um, and then the, when that song reaches its crescendo, I was like, fuck, I have to listen to this again hmm. very soon. Hey, so you're talking about the rip? Yeah, the rip, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh-huh. This reminds me of Mr. Beast by Mogwai. Yeah. And I don't know why. I have no idea. <laughs> no, it, it's, no but it's just attitude. got that overall, uh, like a very cinematic feel mm-hmm. to it, maybe. Yeah, it does. Cinematic's probably the best way to describe this record for me. It, is, yeah. it, it, it feels like it's enveloping you. you know? I, I'm, I am not going to agree with that. Well, I think, <laughs> I think the rip as a track could easily just fit on in Rainbows. Like, it could just slot on as a song. And it's just, it might be the best track on it. I agree that there's... <laughs> I, I think, like, it's no coincidence as well that earlier on, like I mentioned Radiohead as well, I think mm. they have a lot in common with their, like you said, their, their kind of esotericism. They're like, they're like, this is what we want to try. This might or might not work. It's maybe even more so, like, in the vein of, like, the kind of kiddie amnesiac Radiohead where they're really like, we're just going to do some really quite out there stuff and see if you come with us on it. I don't see it as being cinematic. I think Portishead are much more uh, sort of uh, you, they're much more analogous to like a weird indie film or like a Todd Salons film. Yeah, or but something that's still like a film. That. Like, yeah, but like, say like we carry on and like that big guitar riff comes in, <clears throat> like that could be in a fucking like a big yeah, but it's a guitar riff. End it's, not, scene. it's not a guitar riff like like a Glasgow Mega Snake. Or, you know, it's not like I a, don't know. It's not that kind of guitar riff. It's like. It's yeah, far, but it's still far it's still more a, uneasy. And, yeah, but it's still and, quite epic in its own way. Nah, that, well, okay, we're, we're probably going to agree to disagree on this because if we don't, this will take forever. 
Okay, folks, time to ask for some cash. We love DIY. You can tell we love DIY. But earlier on today, we had to try and find an elastic band to attach a pencil to a microphone as a pop shield. Because some random guy sent us it as a tip because we're just cobbling this stuff together like some kind of weird alternative rock MacGyvers. And we just can't do that forever because we're getting into our 30s now and it's kind of embarrassing when I have to go home and tell my parents what became of my life. In your 30s? <laughs> Did you just say you were just in your 30s, Chris? <laughs> Let it out. <laughs> anyway, we have a website, www.unsungpod.net forward slash donate and you can spend whatever you can afford and I'll have no more comments about my age. Thanks, guys. To get back to your point, I'm glad that I've spent time on this record and I have spent time with it since we've listened since we did the podcast before. <laughs> you mean the previous version, the previous of, this version podcast. of this podcast, which does, which has existed at some point somewhere on a corrupted card? Somewhere. Yeah. So I, we were listening to it before we started recording as well, and it was fucking. It was like, yeah, man, how, I'm like, really into this. How, really how did it fan out though? Right. So see from the rip. So you got in from the mm. rip, but like. You know, it's that thing where you get your first, like, right, this is my access point, but then you start to, like, pick up on the other mm-hmm. signals here and there. Like, do you, like what ones? I think for me, um, for a lot of people as well, Machine Gun would have been my oh, access point. Because I think I heard that when it came out. That's amazing, isn't it? And I was, yeah, I think I was in, I was back at home from uni and I just, you know, heard it and I was like, holy shit, the tones on that. And that's, like, one of those... This album just has tones and sounds and synth sounds and things that you don't really hear anywhere else. Or they pick little bits from other genres and feed them into this one track or this one riff, in fact. See, see that, that, that song, as good as the beat is, and the beat is completely distinctive and, yeah. and recognisable readily. And even at the end when they start to screw with the different kind of filters and stuff, that tone that comes in, you know, this sort of oscillate... Mm-hmm. That is just such a, a clever bit. Of yeah, 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 it's mm-hmm. so clever. I mean, they could have come in with a pad. They could have come in with anything. It's just it's so like serpentine. Aye, it makes you feel uneasy. Yeah, it, oh, and just really, really masterful bit, right? It's mostly the end of the record for me, which I, I kept coming back to, like Magic Doors and Magic Doors as well. Is, I think it's, yeah, it's maybe, uh, I think the rip's still Portishead's best mm-hmm. tune, full stop, but Magic Doors is really up there. It's, Threads, it does remind me of the film. <laughs> It makes yeah. me feel like the world's about 10. <laughs> oh, I, right, I, I do wonder if, film, they, if it's named after that. Yeah, well, but, see, yeah. the, at the end bit of it, those kind of like, kind of yeah. like every sign. For people who don't things. know, I'm doing a lot of sound effects tonight. I'm gonna <laughs> threads. <laughs> was a, so for people that don't know, threads was like a BBC, like a 1980s BBC drama film about the apocalypse. The, the end, like, yeah, World War Three. Yeah, and it's fucking terrifying. Still, it is. And I mean, <laughs> these, these guys would have been on the of the generation that watched it originally. That were traumatized been, by it. Yeah, absolutely yeah. fucking. Deformed, frightened out their deformed. I have to be honest. Radioactive baby at the end. The oh. rest of threads for me is the weakest song on the album. I don't. I, I still like it, but I think like in an album of astonishing music, it's the only track that I'm like I can give or take. Although I love the way they finish it. 
think I think Beth played guitar on that song. They did a thing in this album where they they kind of swapped instruments to try and get imperfect takes. I think like Adrian Utley had been interviewed about it, and he's yeah. But I'm saying Utley. I hope it's Utley, not Utley. <laughs> but um, he'd been interviewed and he'd said that I can't remember how he worded it exactly. It's something like technique doesn't matter to me anymore, or something like that. Because they were quite accomplished musicians, but there's almost like a a point of perfection where it ceases to be entirely interesting, and you can become just very sort of self-indulgent. And Mechanical. so he said, with this, they tried to push against that, and so they swapped instruments. For example, I think Barrow went for drums to bass, and you know, and Beth Gibbons did a bit of guitar and that, and it was to try and get those little imperfections into the songs. I think it's the rip we were talking about, little captured imperfections, the plucked guitar in that. It's a loop, and one of the notes just doesn't catch. It just goes yeah. like that. Oh, it's so nice that they left that in. Like yeah. little things like that. It's frustrating when you first hear it as well, because you're like, wow. But then you're like, ah, oh, it makes sense. But you realise because it'd yeah. be too sweet, it'd be too perfect. Mm-hmm. If it yeah. was a perfect. Take. I, I I love music like that. That's just not clinical, surgical. Absolutely. That has yeah. That life band still left in it. Another band didn't need to do that on this record or on any record because yeah. you know, like you said, like we've said, they're accomplished and they can. They've made so many records and been for so long. It's, I think it's a really interesting thing. And I think that actually... You're talking about Portishead? Yeah. They've only made four records, though, if you include the live album. Yeah, but that, I mean, they've been, a, been together for a long time. Yeah, so admittedly, you know, like, yeah. They've been together for a hell of a long time. But, so um, they've played together a lot. But as, I mean, Dave does make the point, like, a lot of bands kind of gradually find their identity by releasing record after record and, and changing much more gradually. Like, this was a much bigger jump, albeit, what, a good, how many years? 11 years? Yeah, '97 that the second Portishead album came out. But you look at that, you say that that's the same time as between OK Computer and In Rainbows, and Radiohead went through Kid A, Amnesiac, Hail a Thief, and you know got to that stage. They just did it and released all those records on the way. Mm. Um, so it's interesting that Portishead just did the same change, but without this, the 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 pathway it's like like any fan thing you'd be really curious to hear what it was they were writing in that period in between that they didn't actually want to release you know be like you know whether they felt it was too close to their earlier stuff or or what yeah it must have been quite an interesting spell i mean it's it's, um there's so many good songs in this but they're all really quite understated um it's it's a it's a ballsy start to an album as well like the silence Mm -hmm. that drum look I think the, the vocal sample at the start is someone, I think they got somebody to talk in Portuguese or something like that. Uh, stuff at the top of my head, if I remember, from the last time we did this same podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that rolling drum loop is just brilliant. And the fact that it's weirdly EQ'd as well. You know, it's, it's like slightly muffled, mm-hmm. slightly mm-hmm. almost like they've recorded it off a tape recording of a drum machine. And it's just another really, really kind of daring start. Hunter's a good one as well. That's really dark. A lot really, of this record's really, really dark. dark. It's very, very gloomy. Like it's yeah, I'm definitely not messing about. Um, the one that isn't is that one Deep Water, the wee mandolin one, which is I like that. But yeah, it's a tribute to Steve Martin and the Jerk. Or we yeah, there's a bit in that film, which is a very good film, by the way. They're shooting at the cans. Protect the cans. I don't get the reference. I haven't seen it, but it's okay. Carry on. That's fine. It's Just look, look at me to. directly when you said that. <laughs> um, 
yeah, there's a song that I think he, he plays called, I think it's You Belong To Me, where he's trying to seduce the girl. And uh, this is like definitely, this, well, they've they've said this that was uh, an ode to that to that song. But I think at first, Barrow really liked that as an idea and Yutley was dead against it. And then over time, Yutley was like, oh, that was actually quite a good idea and Barrow's gone the other way, just to be fickle. And really, we shouldn't have done that. Right, it's, it's actually really cute because it because the album is so, so dark. It needs that little palate cleanser, that little you know, pickled ginger. It needs that little daft thing in it. But those backup vocals as well are a bit off kilter. They're a wee bit <laughs> yeah, unsettling, you know. But that's that's the charm. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of consistent in that sense, anyway. Right, so I mean, I think what it really comes back to is the fact that a lot of people will probably complain that this isn't dummy, and other people, but less probably, will complain that it's not Portishead by Portishead which are both excellent albums, but for me it's something way, way, way more unusual and could have potentially gone really wrong for them. Mm -hmm. Could have just been seen as being morose. It could have... Even a few different decisions in this album, even just maybe the order of the tracks being slightly different, it could have just got bogged down and it's such a fine balancing act. Yeah, I mean, for instance, if you put Machine Gun at the start... Yeah, and you blow your load. Yeah. (laughs) And it's not the best track of the album, but it's the most sort of it stands out the most. Um, Whereas you know you might be feeling quite down by you know track eight, and then this comes in, you're like, absolutely shit, sparkles. I think like that kind of the 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 eye for pacing in that way. um, It's a band that have been about for seventeen years. You can tell that you know you're just like this is this is like a project that these people know what they're fucking doing, Um, and they've just yeah. I just I love that stubborn nonchalance as I say, that, that the band exhibit. And it just, it's all the way through this album and just partly because of it, you're like, fuck, I love this, man. And yeah, not that I think they give a shit. Because no. <laughs> I think they like it and that's all that matters. Newsflash, yeah. Chris Cusack admires stubbornness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking to work at it. <laughs> I'm too pliable. Is that what but, you're saying? Yeah, exactly, you're too... Let's find out. Let's uh, talk about Descendants too in the easy future and principles. see how pliable I am. <laughs> But yeah, no, I completely agree. I just fucking really like this record. Well, it's Mark, you're the newbie. What do you think? I enjoyed it, and I would put it in the I would put it in the discography. I know. would. That's unanimous then. And if anybody votes against it, it's just because you just don't get it. I mean, I know we've been in a roll lately because a lot of the records we've said should go and have went in. Most recently, Nine Inch Nails, Down a Spiral, which some people voted no on, which is bizarre. And I, I think if this record didn't get in, I actually think that the future of this podcast would feel a little bit <laughs> hollow. Hollow, yeah, because this this it would feel, the discography would feel worse off if this record was not in it. Mm. Yeah, and it kind of defines opinion. what we're trying to do. Yeah, maybe we're being a wee bit stubborn though by picking this one and not the other ones. But I think yeah. Port said we'd admire that stubbornness. Like, <laughs> I also it. think just just as well just before we cap this, if anybody hasn't heard that version of SOS that they've done, oh yeah, it's trying to find it's on it. it's on the soundtrack to High Rise. High Rise, so and it's like it. it's available, and the money goes to the charity that was set up for. Uh, following the death of Joe Cox and it's a really beautiful take I mean Abba are amazing yeah amazing but it's a beautiful take on that song in a very Portishead style so we've decided then this is going to go in if you guys agree with us and you better <laughs> <laughs> basically so what what are we doing next then what's next week's episode what are we doing next Mark can you tell for the expression on my face 
I'm doing cool to be you by descendants. <laughs> Can I still call them the descendants? <laughs> if you want. <laughs> Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Oh, one more thing. Ding. <laughs> Go and vote on Facebook and, and, and prove us right or wrong and give us a like and a retweet and all that kind of nonsense. But yeah, gentlemen, thank you. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.